All right. Welcome back. And let's continue because we are behind. <laughs> you know, I am stretching the time you no, set up for. You know, so I'm trying to fit to your. Well, I'm fine with the missing and stuff like that. I mean, a little longer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's continue with text number 39. Cease rebuking a man who has stopped sinning and who has repented. If you say that you're rebuking him in God's name, first reveal the evils in yourself. Well, very tough. Uh, instruction and I remember when I was preparing like when I was thinking about that and preparing things uh, it came to my mind a scene from a very old Czech comedy a movie and uh, it was about older couple and the lady she was like talking non-stop you know always uh, criticizing uh, her husband all time. It, it was part of this humor there. And uh, there was one scene when she was telling him something or rebuking something what he had done like 30 years ago. And he told her, I am so happy that I did that because now you have material for talking for all those years. <laughs> you know, and many times it is true that uh, we we tend to remember wrongs, and uh, I think that this instruction comes, or this rebuking uh, uh, gives like uh, we when we come to confession and we confess our sins, we believe. And not all believe it is true, our sins were forgiven. What does it mean, this forgiveness? It means that the sin stops to exist in God's mind. It was forgiven. It was forgiven. It means that God is not going to remind you the sin. And if God does this, Folks, it's very distracting when you do that while he's talking. It's okay. If God forgives in this way, so why we are supposed to, why we are doing it a different way? There was a situation, I remember, when... Uh, it was before Christmas. I was a teenager, and in my peri uh, father's parish, you know, in our parish, my father was priest there. And uh, what happened was that one man, he tried to commit, he tried to hang himself. They saved him, but all it was a huge scandal. And, uh, but he came to senses, I think it was some kind of problem and all that, but he came to senses and he came uh, to rectory and he asked, and he expressed his sorrow that, well, he didn't know what to do, 
how to do, why he did that, and he saw it. And uh, my father said, well, you know what? Good. On Sunday, before liturgy, you come behind the altar for confession. And everybody will see that you came to confess your sins. And when you return back, everybody would know that God forgave you. And this is way how you will stop, because he worried about what people are, will be saying. And he did this way, and uh, it was amazing that it was almost this incident, or this his act, was almost forgotten immediately. Nobody was returning back. And uh, this is something what, what uh, we have to uh, we have to learn uh, that if we make repentance, if confessions and we make repentance, so we have to not only see ourselves as forgiven and be, to have gratitude for this gift of forgiveness, but we have to see the others, the others like uh, forgiven. We have to see them with new eyes, as a new baptized. And this is sometimes this effect, for example, if you see a line before confessional, and people waiting there, or going there for confession, you know, after that, this is a very powerful moment, you have to put away everything that was in your heart, because you saw that that person is going to make confession. <coughs> the person is does, he's doing repentance. So if his sins were forgiven, why who we are to remind the person or to keep this grudge or whatever? And, and this is something what many times we don't do. Even we know our power of confession, we know about how powerful it is. We know how uh, that what is happening there. But we have to disconnect these dots, you know. And and you can see your enemy or person who probably touches someone with or offended you with some kind of not merciful word. And you see him going to confession. So it's, you have to say, okay, he made repentance. Why should think or keep this memory in our mind? So it's very powerful, you know, that if we take this instruction, if we take this instruction, so this is like one powerful implement, uh, how we fulfill this instruction, this one way. And then he says that, uh, uh, and, and it's easy to say I know than to fulfill, to act upon this. Because it is very often 
tem, like huge temptation to put ourselves to position of a just man, just person, and um, and this gives you gives us like this feeling the superiority over others because we are better, and. Uh, because of that, we feel some kind of obligation to rebuke others. And, uh, okay, now, we are supposed to do this, but it should come from love or from uh, this desire for salvation of the soul, not because of this feeling of superiority, that we feel superior to that person. Does it make sense? Because when we do it because of this temptation, so it it, it will not become uh, it will not become a good medicine for the for my neighbor. <laughs> there is a lot of that he says that he says that if you are doing that in God's name, so at first uncover evil which is in you. <coughs> and uh, when we read these words like Evergetinos, these uh, stories from saints, you can find there many examples, especially in that part which is talking about spiritual guidance. Or these elders, when they saw that a monk was struggling with some kind of passion, and they knew what is happening in heart, but they never approached like directly, this is wrong in you. And many times they used this tactic. They started to talk to the monk and said, how are you, brother? And he said, oh, I'm fine, okay, everything's okay. Well, you know what, but look how old I am, but I'm struggling with this passion. And they named whatever passion. And then usually the monkey said, you know, Father, don't worry, I am struggling with the passion too. And the elder continued, but well, you know, this nothing, I'm struggling with this passion too. In my old age, I should not. A monk, you know, I understand you, I understand your pain your soul, but trust me, I'm, I'm struggling too, and slowly in this way, they led that monk to this confession of thoughts, confession of sins. And in the end, they made conclusion, they offered redemy, medicine, how to heal that. This is why he said that first, if you want to, rebuke somebody in God's name, at first uncover evil which is in you. And these elders, they did it. You know, and and uh, because of that, and because of their humility, uh, they were able to give good, good, this God's rebuke to the soul which became healing potion for that person. But there is, we have to remember that 
to do this, as I described this example of these elders, mm -hmm. you have to achieve some kind of humility and discernment. You should not apply it uh, why in the time when you still are fighting these patients. Saint Isaac Syrian says, I don't remember exactly, but he says that don't try to heal if you're still sick. That makes sense. That if you are still in some kind of of um, warfare with and, and you are battling with patients, so don't try to rebuke others, you know. And it's very difficult, you know, and uh, bec uh, especially for priests because now I can ask. Okay, so it means that I would go to Ambon and to say nothing, you know if I keep that. But well, it is a little bit different there. Because if you have authority and duty to speak, it was you were called to that as a priest, parent, person who, teacher who has a responsibility for, ch uh, for children. So they are supposed to use this authority and to teach. But if they are ashamed during that time, it's a good sign that they are doing it correctly. Because it means that they are aware that they must to teach, but still that they are sick too. Does that make sense? And it is many times it's very difficult, as it is difficult for priests, to do this, and uh, and well, many times you well, it's still difficult. So the same thing is difficult for for parents. Many times we tolerate bad behavior or wrong behavior or, or this passions movement of passions in behavior of a child because uh, we know that the same that the child is just repeating what sees in us and because of that we are silent we don't rebuke we don't fix because we know that it can be turned against us it's unpleasant. It would be the child can point at you. You were doing that. You're in the, in doing that. And sometimes it's good for us to hear that. And, you know, there's a very popular story you could hear in Slovakia during sermons. I heard maybe a thousand times, you know. So I'm going to add in the case that you didn't hear that story, <laughs> to remind you, it was a story about one father who, during like winter time, evening, he went to local bar. And um, so he walked in, there was snow, deep snow, fresh, fresh snow, so he was walking slowly, and suddenly he heard like some kind of noise behind him. So, so he turned and he saw his like five-year-old son 
trying to follow him in these like uh, holes he made with his feet. And he said, what are you doing? You know, go home. I, I am following you. <laughs> <laughs> with joy, the boy answered. And this was like in the story was, this was like hit, almost physical hit, which uh, experienced his father. He said, well, he's following my steps where I am leading him to. So he turned him at home. But the truth is that that children in the, from the small age, especially first, second, third, fourth year, they are learning from our, from our, what we are doing, what they see us. And, and many times you realize that that impact might be good and you are, you rejoice and sometimes you say, oh, I have to aware of this. Because you see like in mirror yourself. And in this case, we never should be silent, I mean, to tolerate this because it's in us. It is, it is something that is challenged for us. I have to change. I have to really change this and uh, to tell the child and not to be afraid to admit, look, I gained this bad habit. It's not right. Now I am better and I cannot get it out. But you don't need to learn this habit. You, you don't need to do so. And let's do it together or whatever tactic we use, but we have to be truthful. It's not shame to admit to child that, well, we are, we are fighting too. And because through this, we are teaching the child that this spiritual warfare is real. And uh, it is not only the child who suffers from time to time when it comes to years of, like, older, but he would have this understanding that there is a universal experience of mankind that we have to battle. Okay? Questions? Sharings? Nothing? Good. Let's go. <laughs> Let's continue. God is the source of every virtue, as the sun is of daylight. So, how we are supposed to understand this sentence, this wisdom? Uh, if you remember, I was talking months ago about these three stages of spiritual life in homily, that purification and illumination and illumination. And um, the first phase, purification, it's really a phase when we apply all these uh, ascetical uh, tools to practice, to remove passions from our hearts, and to acquire virtues, it means to change. Uh, but still, because during that purification, we, uh, the saints say, well, we should not trust ourselves because even our mind is deformed by sin. And 
inclines towards like temptations. So, uh, because of that, we can we can do uh, a lot of good things. We can reach even excellence, perfectness in some kind of ascesis. Like we can be, we can learn to fast very strictly. We can learn not to talk too much. We can learn to give up things which uh, other people cannot give up, you know, or they are not able to do. So we can reach some excellency in this perfectness, some kind. And we can come closer to virtue. But what is what is dangerous then that this um, our activity can attract temptation of satisfaction that we tell ourselves you did it fine okay you reached the goal you are perfect in this fasting or science or whatever and we have to realize that at that point our spiritual growth is stopped because we put as a goal this tool, not God. And we are not able to acquire a real virtue. He says that God is source of virtue. And what he means by that, that uh, the fulfillment of the virtue comes from God's grace, not from our efforts. Remember these words of Jesus. St. John reminds us that, I don't know if, well, he says that, Christ says, if you love me, if you keep commandments, you love me when you keep my commandments, or you are my friends when you come, well, when you keep commandments, then I will love you, and I will come with Father, and we will dwell in you. Well, very rough translation, you know. What does it mean, you know, this unity with with God? Christ says us that if you are pushing yourself to keep commandments, it is sign that you love me. But he says, then we come to you. Then he says, when Holy Trinity come to dwell in you, it is not our effort. It is not something what we can give ourselves. It is God's gift to us. He comes to us. Our activity, our faithfulness, our uh, this desire to please him and everything attracts this God's gift with himself and then he comes. And in the moment that this happens, we then acquire perfect love. It is not in our power to acquire perfect love. It is not in our power to, to gain perfect humility or other riches. God himself fulfills this virtue. Without him, we are not able to reach that. We can 
show him through our activities, through our effort, through our begging, through uh, desire, whatever, that we want that. And he gi- he will give us this in right moment uh, when which he's uh, in his uh, providence. Okay. That makes sense. Craig has a question. Craig. I was just curious. I was I was just reading Isaac's the other night, and he had made a comment about a, a man's humbled heart, and through his petitions and and. I don't know if the word was trueness, but it was purity of heart or something like that. That God will give you the gift of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not you that are, is gathering this gift of prayer. It's God giving you that gift of prayer through your humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is true. And, uh, well, like even like prayer is something what, uh, what is gift. So we are, uh, we put labor to to our prayer. It is attentive prayer, concentrated prayer, prayer done with spirit of repentance, and it is hard work, so hard work, to keep minds focused on Christ. It's so hard, and then but if we are trying that we receive this gift of real, pure prayer. Bless you. Thank you. And, uh, well, there's always, but in us there is always this temptation to jump ahead. You know, that, and uh, we can pretend that we are further somewhere. We can say, oh, I can pray well, and and, and I am the person. Uh, but we don't realize that God knows exactly what is going on in the heart. We cannot pretend in front of God. And what is true is that we cannot pretend before other people too. You know, because... And, and I think... I, I'm not just... I'm just saying that that uh, you can... You can You can fake it for a while in front of people. You can pretend for a while. You can come to a church and to have like very pious pose, you know, and uh, and okay, many people can like look at you as oh, might I'm I'm so low. The person reached this deep concentration in prayer. I am poor sinner. But usually it doesn't take long when you know this person a little bit uh, better. <laughs> so then you realize, oh, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I don't like that, you know, you are pretending. Well, one moment. It's, it came to my mind that there is a um, uh, painting somewhere I don't remember, even painter. I knew that, but I forgot. Well, that when you when you come to this museum or gallery, you see like from in the 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 picture is like far from you. You enter, you see there this 
uh, picture a monk with his hands somehow folded from that he looks like a very pious man, you know, like example of concentration, everything. But when you come closer to that picture, you see that the monk is pressing Lamanda. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this is, I think that, that the artist wanted to express that when from distance things look differently than when you cl come closer. Mm -hmm. The same thing is that when from distance people we don't know and everything, they can uh, make this image of uh, pious pose, but when you know them a little better, um, you don't like this pose, actually you are uh, that person losing authority, authority or respect. Okay, I stopped you. No, it was just a, a, a connection there. There was a, a gentleman that would showed up for liturgy in the evenings, and the women would say, "I swear I saw him over at such and such parish in the afternoon. I think he belongs over there." And he would, you know, he was bouncing around from parish to parish as if he was belonging to all these parishes. And, uh, you know, people kept asking, he's always in the front, and he's always, looks like he's communicating with God, and he's talking with his hands. And this really old priest, plural, He was Italian. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this really elderly priest walks by, and um, he said, Father, do you know who that guy? We seem to see him everywhere. <clears throat> and he goes, you ever heard the statement, you can fake it until you make it? He goes, that only happens in the world. It doesn't happen in the spiritual world. And a couple of months later, the guy disappeared. The guy was never around again. But he just kind of made that. He could kind of tell that the guy was trying to fake it for some reason. Well, you, uh, and you said now something that is really, uh, really true. You know, that uh, you have one group of people who find pleasure or they they come to parish and they want to be revered you know as a pious people and but they pretend but they like this attention when they start to feel that well people are losing respect for them because they uncovered this pose Usually they, they move to another parish. Mm. And it goes from parish to parish. And um, uh, it's, it's uh, this is the different reason because, well, uh, if you change parish because you are searching for something deeper or something that really helps you to grow, it's fine, mm -hmm. or it is from uh, many other reasons, whatever, which should help you to grow faster. Mm -hmm. Or there are practical reasons, many times, you know, that, so, so it's different. But if you are searching some kind of attention, you want to, you are searching for this, some kind of glory from people to, to give you glory because you look pious, then, it is bad 
and truth is that this is disease, spiritual disease, which is very, it's almost impossible to cure. He, his other statement, this other priest, the same priest would say, um, it's hard to hit a moving target. So they don't want to put roots down because it'll expose who they really are. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, but, but because they are not searching for the truth, right? Truth. Mm-hmm. They want to just satisfy their passion. You know, so they are searching another opportunity how to shine like sun somewhere else. Alright, so let's continue. When you have done something good, remember the words, without me, you can do nothing. Alright. So It is something what what uh, we remember from the gospel, and well, we accept this uh, truth. But well, it has practical implementation. Oh, I don't like these words. Difficult English words. You know. <laughs> yes, implications. That uh, that. Perfectness in virtue, as we were talking before, it's not fully matter of our will. We need for we need our will. We need to force our will to start journey towards this virtue, towards practicing, towards creating new habits, towards like uh, keeping uh, ascetical tools in our life to help us grow. But again, this, uh, this, the virtue is not a result of these our efforts. Virtue is more like entering to this communi- communion with God, this intimacy with God, when God comes to us and joins us. And if we don't keep this in our mind, so then... Uh, if, if and we are not begging for that, if we don't de- we don't realize that we depend on this gift from God, then we can really uh, come or to slip to to some kind of thinking about ourselves, praising ourselves, satisfaction that we reach something, we are good. And in in this case, when we come to this point, we have to realize that we we are not different from people from the world, from the atheists. Because they have the same, they, many of them, they do wonderful job forcing themselves to be good, to do good things. <coughs> but they stay there. They st- stay with this satisfaction. It doesn't lead them to this community, intimacy with God. And even they, they, 
they don't even think that they need God's help. And uh, Christ reminds us that we cannot do anything without Him. Uh, it is not that we are not capable to do some kind of good. We can do good, relatively good things, which other can consider that are good. But if Christ talks about this good thing, it is about this uh, this product of our activity, which should lead us to this communion with with God. We cannot do this. This is this is ultimate goodness. This is the goal. This is the the purpose of our life, of our efforts. And we cannot do this without activity which comes out from God. So there is some kind of limit we have to realize, and this is something that uh, makes us different from from other people. And, and this is like very dangerous thing because there is like very often you have this argument that why I should go to the church I can do good things without that I don't need to pray I can be a good person without that and uh, this this way of thinking it's like you know this is like this very it's it's pride which is saying that. I'm saying that I have full capacity, full power of my being. I am like God. Because I, myself, I can do all good things. I don't need God's help. And, uh, and this, we have to admit that this kind of mentality Many times, uh, uh, in fact, us Christians too. And many times we we approach our Christian life uh, with this thought to be good person, to be good people. For sure, we will be, because gospel takes us, but will be a little bit this good person would have different qualities that person who consider himself or herself in the world you know well because you have different measures our measure is gospel and uh, in the world it is uh, the measure is what I feel is good or Good is what world is considered a good. So it is. It is. Uh, it is tough. So the conclusion of that. Oh, me, conclusion of that. Uh, uh, from this wisdom should be non-stop to ask God for help. You know, help me to 
do everything what is good. Without you, I cannot become good according to your will. Excuse me. Okay, so let's go to you. Afflictions bring blessing to man, self-esteem and sensual pleasure, evil. Well, this is something that should be remembered all time because, again, when I was talking that world has impact on us and gives us some kind of or some uh, some kind of infection in the form how we see our Christian life or see our our, our life is that uh, that we start to consider as a good everything what gives us pleasure you know that uh, we we follow that we are running after those things and uh, it is not teaching of the gospel um, gospel gives us different uh, different uh, perspective Christ tells us well take your cross and follow me and uh, so it is it is something like you know like I said before you know that when we were meeting I said that I don't like this many of these religious movies which are written because uh, I think that they uh, give a, uh, they give a, some kind of false message not all of them, but probably you know the group of movies I am talking that well you you see that that uh, in the beginning everything goes down for the person he's going the father of family for example he's going down his marriage is going apart he's going away from children children suffer he suffers in the work everything falling apart and suddenly a friend comes and invites him and he receives Christ and from the time everything goes like up you know and you say well this is not real life this is really not real life I, I understand this message but people who see this kind of messaging they expect that they come to a church and they, they are searching for this imminent change one man who was coming here for a while, uh, he came and, and, and he started to come back to church. He said, he told me, that, well, I feel that I need to return back to the church because I, everything is like falling apart in my life. And so I have to, have to put things together. And uh, so he was coming for a while, maybe over a year. Uh, and then he stopped and after a while when I met him I said why did you stop and he said well nothing happened mm. nothing happened and I don't blame him you know I understand I understand that he was confused and maybe disappointed 
But if we let ourselves to be taught by world, which gives this illusion to us about gospel even, or we are listening people who are not mature in faith, don't understand spiritual life. So we can come to this point that we are so disappointed because that message will not fulfill in us. And and what is the, the uh, but gospel tells us that well we have to realize that there is an inclination towards sin in us because we don't live in paradise. We live in exile. This is place where mankind was sent after fall. This is not place of paradise. And because of that, when we so we are even from this this first sin, even we are afflicted by sin. And there is a, a this harmony in us which was given by God is broken. And our desires are directed to towards not God, towards ourselves and towards pleasures. So it is for sure if we make this journey back to paradise, we have to go to against everything what uh, almost what gives us pleasure, this earthly pleasure, and we adjust it to this. We consider that as a good thing. But God reveals us this is not the way. And in faith, we are going against this, like pleasures, worldly pleasures, pleasures of our body, and faith that, well, God shows us the way back to paradise. And he, Isaac Siren, he says that, well, we should not refuse sufferings and tribulations because those things lead us to truth. And if we, if we follow them, if we accept them, if we accept this cross, we, uh, we are going to find very precious things. And uh, uh, he says that those are like tools of our salvation. And if we, f- and we follow them, we accept that. <coughs> It will move us very fast towards the gates of heaven. <coughs> and this is true because I think that each of us has this experience that we came to deeper understanding of ourselves or spiritual life through suffering, through crisis, through difficulties, through pain or our failures. Many times we came to deeper faith and understanding God's calling when we uh, fell to the some really bottom of our misery, and we realized, okay, I, I, we did something, but it was not right. And <coughs> but this acknowledgement opened our eyes for the truth, and we started our journey, painful journey difficult journey towards the truth, towards towards that, that light. <coughs> <coughs> I think we are going to 
finish here. It will be a few minutes because my voice is <coughs> going away. Before this, before this elderly monk passed that I used to go and meet with for spiritual advice, he was really going down real fast. And I was walking out with him one night and I asked him, I said, what's, what's some of the best and worst things that you've learned as being a spiritual advisor throughout your life? You know, is there anything that you can set out that's, you know, kind of carries through multiple levels of different people. And he says, well, everybody's different. But he said, those who would, would embrace their trial and actually reflect on it, they grew very fast in the spiritual life. He says, those who you would look at it as, how can I escape this? How do I escape this? You know, what's the quickest way out of this situation? He says, usually ended up in drugs, alcohol, or suicide. And he says, those would lead to the bottomless pit of misery. That's the way you left it. This is true. All right. I'll wait next next week.